Welcome back to Old Taku No Radio. I am Jared, and with me as always is the hall to my oats, the wonderful Inc. Hello, everybody. And today uh, we are here to talk about everyone's favorite legendary sniper, Duke Togo, a.k.a. Gogol13, in his 2008 anime TV series, Incarnation. Well, since this is uh, this is an adaptation of the 19... 19- uh, 1968 manga by Takayasu Saito. Takayasu Saito. Yeah, we're gonna go with that one. Uh, I'm gonna read uh, ANN's uh, tweaked version of ANN's manga summary instead of the anime summary. Duke Togo, or as he is more widely known, Gogo 13, is an M16 bearing assassin who will take on any job for the right price. Anyone can hire him, including private citizens and world governments. When he's not waiting hours for the perfect shot in the most extreme conditions, he's infiltrating hostile countries and bedding beautiful women. Those who deal with him must make sure not to cross the Duke, or they might find themselves his next target. And this is based on, as you said, a, a manga that, that started in 1968 and is still going. I think it's still going, at least. Yeah, at, at least based off what research I've been able to see, it's still going, and I think it's... The longest-running, still-going sh- uh, series in Japan. Has, has it passed 200 yet? Because there is an interview with the mangaka that says, you know, his his goal is to hit 200, and he has, like, the ending all storyboarded in his mind, and he's just ready to, you know, do that final piece. But uh, Are you saying this waiting. guy's the George R. R. Martin of, of manga? Is that what you're telling me, Gink? No, because I like this. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, well, okay then. We look forward to your hate mail. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, according to the always truthful and very accurate Wikipedia, as as of December 2016, 183 volumes of the Tonkoban edition have been published, and there's a Bunkoban edition that has 148 volumes. So, he he's maybe he's starting to get there. Uh, you know, that's a that's a. That's a scary thing when it's all storyboarded in his mind, and he is 80 years old. Lord help us. Ugh. With poor schedules those people are on, like, please don't overstress this man. Let him get to his final volume. Cause he... <laughs> Hopefully at this point in his career, he is sitting like a bodhisattva, just like in the side of the room, you know, in a lotus posture, just meditating upon Golgo 13, and his brain waves are like doing this sort of new type thing out to all his assistants, and they're just like furiously writing and drawing everything, and he just continues to just radiate creativity. <laughs> because like, how do you even make it to eighty as a mangaka? I don't even know how that works. Oh, but man. but hats off to the guy. Um, okay, so back to the to the to the TV show. You've got here in the notes, this is directed by Shunji Oga, uh, who also did Space Adventure Cobra, which is a somewhat similar kind of kind of genre of manly man's man does manly things. Shoots people. Shoots people. That's women. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
you know, except it's, you know, in space. But, <laughs> you, you know, that's that's good. Yeah, and you, you see kind of, well, Google doesn't really have action sequences per se. There's some fighting, but mostly it's just like perfect shots and brief struggles. So that would be kind of the defining difference. But there is that, that tension, and the tension is actually what really makes this show. Because I, I found it in like three levels. There's tension, you know, with regards to hostages or the, like the situation in general, like the setup. Like, oh, how is he going to get this one perfect shot that, you know, is so impossible that the world has to come to him to do it? There's the impossibility of the shot itself. And then there's the even the relationship between, at points, the gunmaker or augmenter and the assassin's reputation. So, like, in that in that first episode, I think it is, where he, he has to pick off a, a guy who, who's hijacking a plane in the cockpit as it's uh, landed askew on the runway. It didn't land askew, it landed straight and then went, went parked askew after a blown-out tire. But uh, there's... A scene where the the, the gunmaker, you know, uh, is being explained the situation by Golgol, and I, I just remember feeling for him because Golgol is like, oh no, it's like two thousand yards away, and you know this barrel needs to be extended past this point, and it's one shot only deal, so do your best. Yeah, it's like oh man, <laughs> like Golgol. He, it's always interesting to me to see the kind of cat and mouse games that happen between him and either his target or the people trying to stop him from assassinating his target. And you know, we watched just for for everybody to know, we watched uh, thirteen episodes because you have to watch thirteen episodes. Go go thirteen, come on. Pretty much the format starts out. He has a hit to make. He's going to do insane amounts of planning that we all that we don't get to see it's all off camera uh but we get to see his his uh either his target or or the um the bodyguards or the detectives or the rival snipers sometimes rival mercenaries trying to outwit him and he has already figured out exactly what they're going to do and already has made a plan around it and you know, he's kind of like Batman that kills people and doesn't wear a mask. He just wears the same stony expression no matter what he's doing. Um, he could be killing somebody or he could be in the middle of coitus, and it doesn't matter. He has the same expression. That is the funniest bit. And I got to I gotta wonder if the manga or if the anime is more effective in that. <laughs> Because I can imagine just, like, several frames in the manga of the same exact face just, you know, copy-pasted in any situation and bringing out the same comedy. Mm -hmm. But in the anime, like, it, it, you have to kind of wait for a certain contrast to occur. Like, in the middle of Coitus, where, like, he's betting some hooker and she's moaning up the wazoo and he's just literally just laying there with the same stone stone face on him making no <laughs> noise whatsoever not moving at all and and it sounds like his 
lady he's in there with is like having her leg cut off basically (laughs) (laughs) it is it is hilarious and awkward and he's just kind of this iconic thing like you you see golgo in he he's referenced in other anime like quite quite frequently i think what's oh it's one of our favorite anime ink uh, with a little girl with the ink the ink and the the calligraphy guy that i can't oh. remember the name of it right now shit uh bakuman oh no not bakuman, bakuman. um that's close it's uh like um Barakamon or something like that? Barakamon, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's this, there's this an episode where she keeps going, Mandem, and she gets this like extremely like man face, but it's like Golgo 13's face. <laughs> so he's kind of like shorthand for like man in, in Japanese pop culture, I guess. I can see that. I mean, he, he's very stoic. Uh, does not say anything except for like bare minimum facts. There's no, there's no opening up. There's no uh, vulnerability to that character at all. There's no emotion. <laughs> there's no, like he's a highly intelligent person, obviously, but you don't like. He he gives away nothing. Uh, he he says nothing about himself. He's he's this, you know, just like everything else he does. He's this consummate assassin, and to do that, he says only the minimum amount necessary to perform his job. Definitely has the most powerful resting bitch face in all of anime, without a doubt. His RBF is off the scale in how powerful it is. You know, uh, and and you said something about how he he just like the ultimate assassin, and you can't catch him. And what I really loved, and I think they gave gave away a little too soon to be funny. There's one episode within the first thirteen where. He literally is just sitting in a hotel waiting for people to catch him because there was no way out. Oh, right. And the the plan, his plan, was for the shot to be so ridiculously impossible that it would not be believed in a court of law. <laughs> like, that's how he gets out of the situation. It's not that he's never arrested. It's not that he's never caught. But he's never caught red-handed, and he's never caught with evidence so that kind of like eliminates his prosecution at all moments. Right. And I I love that as uh, in the second episode, but I really wish that would have been later because it, it works as a as a climax to a running gag more than it does like an episode. And and then there's the episode where he's basically at the police station. They're trying to con- they're trying to to get enough evidence to convict him. He brings in his lawyer, and it's all just a play for time. So the handgun that he has put inside a bunch of balloons can fly off and not be found and i mean it's it's like just there's to me the most interesting part of of golgo 13 is what is duke doing off camera like like you almost you almost imagine like he's the most interesting man in the world or something like he's that guy like you know he's like jet skiing around with that same no emotion expression, uh, you know, he's, you know, maybe going to someone's bar mitzvah, same expression, taco night, same expression. <laughs> I, I want, I want a, spi- a slice of life spinoff where oh Duke Togo goes <laughs> just as like, he's, he's just like going to the grocery store. And the second he shows up because he's this very large, uh, brick house built, 
uh, Asian man. And he's identifiable everywhere, which is I, what I don't understand within the series. Like, yes, okay, he's got this. Literally, everybody knows who he is. Yeah, yet he can hide out as an assassin. It's like the um, President of the United States, the Pope, Duke Toto. <laughs> like, everybody knows this legendary guy who's made his living by killing people from half a mile away. Everybody knows his face. Right. So, as he goes to the grocery store to, like, buy his weekly groceries or something, People are bound to recognize him. So I want a show built around like that. Him just living his life, walking on the sidewalk, going to get daily necessities or whatever. But as soon as he steps into any store, like there's, you know, the the pay per hour um, security people instantly take notice. There's the mothers and the, their small children who are shopping there just sort of being taken aback. And everyone's wondering, oh, shit, who's he here to kill? And there's also in, – in Golgo 13, there's also the law of powerful eyebrows. Golgo 13, Duke, he's got these insane powerful eyebrows that just – they are – like they are like a main feature on his face aside from his his like face line – like his mouth lines or whatever they are. But all of, all of like the badass people in the show, like the people he's actually going to have to like – spend two brain cells figuring out how to to deal with they all have similarly powerful eyebrows so like just be on the look for, look out for that anytime you see somebody with really thick wide powerful eyebrows you're like oh okay that's he's like he's like a, a boss guy he's like a boss monster that that golgo has to defeat and um he always does but but that's how you know there's also a tell if you watch the dub uh which is probably one of the, the the reason to watch this show. Like, just watch the the North American dub because it's dub fantastically horrible. horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but everyone in the dub who's in a in a position of power uses their Batman voice. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so it's always like this. Oh my God, he's coming to take the plane. Oh no, you don't say. It. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about it like that, but yes. And Golgo has kind of a Batman voice going on. Everything's baritone with the higher echelon. This this show is just hilarious. And I don't know that it tries to be hilarious, but it's hilarious. Like, the things that they ask Golgo to do. There's one episode where he's asked not to kill anybody, but to to shoot out the G-string of a violin just so this other guy could feel uh, the same sort of existential panic that the guy that hired Golgo to do it in the first place did uh, when his string broke on stage. I mean, it's like this most... It's the its the weirdest thing. <laughs> like, Well, I, I, I actually had notes on that episode because I, I was like, man, you know what? From Golgo's point of view... This has to be the most relaxing job of his life. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't have to kill anyone. So like, shooting out a string, is that illegal? Well, in Japan, shooting an illegal firearm would be illegal. But, you know, he doesn't have to kill anybody. And it's a very challenging target. And at the end of the episode, his own client, who's an asshole, gets his, own, gets, gets his comeuppance. And Gogo go, go gets a free ticket to the theater. So, you know, wins all around. I, I imagine that was almost like vacation for him. Like, he took the day off to do this, this inane job. <laughs> because part of me wanted, wanted him to just look at this, at this 
other violinist, this asshole violinist, and go, are you out of your mind? Like, <laughs> do you know who I am, the angel of death, and you want me to shoot a string out of a violin? Okay. But, oh, and, and that's the thing, too. Um, Golgo always costs $3 million. It does not matter what you need him to do. If you need him to go buy your, like, chorizo and bring it back to you, or if you need him <laughs> to kill the leader of, of a military junta, three million bucks. And and he's he will do anything you need him to. Like, I so badly want the Slice of Life spinoff now, because sending out Golgo 13 for a chorizo is like, just amazing. Could you imagine, could you imagine if, if one drew and wrote that Golgo 13 slice of life spinoff manga, he would be the perfect guy to do that. Like, like just keep, keep the Golgo face exactly perfect and on model, but then the rest of it's just ones like shitty bubble people kind of drawings <laughs> <laughs> because one punch man has like kind of a similar like thing that we're talking about where Saitama just Basic goes to, shapes. Yeah, yeah. He just, he goes to the grocery store and you know, on the way he like knocks a hole through a giant monster and, like that's really what we want. We just want the Golgo version of it, and he'd, he'd be the perfect guy to do it. So one, I, I, we know that you listen to the podcast, so please, please get on that. We also know you're fluent in English, so thanks in advance. So one thing I thought was interesting is, and and, and it's not like you you have a list of commandments written down anywhere, but watching the show, you get a sense that Golgo himself might be amoral in the sense that he takes no no moral position on anything he does but he has a very rigid code of conduct he follows and a very rigid code of conduct he expects people who interact with him to follow well you don't get his level of infamy without it yeah but i mean that's the premise of the show like you couldn't have duke togo be moral because he is basically just a gun for hire yeah and if you if you turn that into a moral thing, suddenly you involve politics and, you know, that. But this is just about sort of creating a hero of skill. Like, we all want to be the best at something. It's just inherent in nature. Like, we want to be special. This is a special guy you can admire for his skill. And because he, you know, has no moral code to stand by, you're just like, okay, we can admire this skill without attaching the humanity to it. So there's yeah. there's a, a show later on um, that uh, one of the episodes later on mentions like oh it's so sad that all the oh oh it's it's, uh, it's a woman and child or a woman and uh, her fiance sitting across from Golgo on a plane and they're oh, discussing okay. the ramifications of an assassination. I think that he had just taken out carried out, and it's like well I feel so sorry for all the people left behind. And you can just tell Gogol's totally unaffected by this. And it, that, that's the series as a whole, because you can't have him be morally attached. Otherwise, you actually have to care about what you're watching. And really, you just want to witness perfection. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely a Mary Sue. That's no, no doubt about that. He's definitely also this sort of, and I, I, will, I will say antiquated because of the vintage era in which he comes from this antiquated idea of of japanese manhood like this ideal he's this incredible athlete he's incredibly intelligent he's this great lover and this you know women just instantly want to you know bear his children 
everything he does is uh, this this pinnacle of of perfection and everything. And he's definitely a male power f- uh, fantasy wish fulfillment. Well, not quite. He actually pays for all of his companionship. It's just the fact that you know all the women shown with him are shown with all this you know orgasmic delight. Well, there, there was that one woman who wanted to shoot him because he wouldn't come to Florida with her. <laughs> but I, then that's just because he was just so powerful. Like that—that's more power than sexual appeal. I think. Uh, no. She was, like, imagining the best sex of her life with that man, and she was mad that he, he wouldn't come with her. Come on. <laughs> but like, I mean, in that way, I mean, that's hardly that's hardly unique either. I mean, in that way, Golgo is a lot like James Bond, you know, or, or any of these other kind of... Yeah, I, I, I found a lot of parallels with James Bond where Golgo is concerned because both Bond and Golgo, where Bond has, like, emotions and a heart and... and you see that, especially through the the Daniel Craig movies, of of which two are really good, and don't don't watch the others. There's a lot of that same, you know, male power fantasy. You know, he's the best at what he does. Um, he's a little bit more human than Golgo. Golgo is just a, a machine. And I think in the like the last episode we watched, they even kind of, or maybe it was the one before that, they even kind of refer to him a bit like a computer. Yeah, they directly as a computer, yeah. He's just so relentless, and, and this he's focused with a single purpose on everything he does. Mm. But the, the, the relationship between him and the other characters he comes in contact with is so incidental and so standoffish. Like, I get, I get the comparison to 007, but 007 is really more a human character. Like you mentioned... Gogo 13 is just this robot, this computer assassin. Right. And, you know, the, the allure I think it's trying to project uh, with regards to the ladies is this, you can't have me and that's what's turning you on mm-hmm. sort of thing. And that's not the deal with Bond. Bond is genuinely, <laughs> genuinely charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Gogo 13 has no charisma because he is just a block of Stone Cold Killer. That Stone Cold Killer premise, you know, is what drives the series and what makes it fun to watch episode after episode. But I was kind of amazed watching the first 13 episodes at just how early on it twists its own focus. Because this is easily a show where you could do the same thing over and over and over and just twist circumstance a little bit. But actually, it twists theme, too, because mm-hmm. within even the first 13 episodes that we watch, you have, and this is a 50-episode-long 50, 50 anime, as soon as episode 10, there's a fake target. And then yeah. the very next episode, it's the, the old hunter has become the hunted bit. And I actually really love that episode. That's, I think, the last episode. Oh, the, the oh no, episode, second to last, second to last. That, you're talking about the episode with the young sniper. Yeah, second to last. Let me say this to you about the 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 different emotions with Golgo and lack of emotions with Golgo and and everything is that he has zero emotion, but the characters that surround him, the characters in the world around him, are often like completely unbalanced by their emotions. 
I like that. You know, there and and that's an interesting contrast. He's sort of he's he's this this one certain thing in in this very chaotic, uncertain world, and where people are duplicitous and they 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 lie and they cheat and they steal from each other and they 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 backstab each other. And, and Golgo is just this one constant sort of, of rock that does not change. He, he doesn't he, – once he's made his decision on a course of action, he doesn't move. He doesn't change his mind. And that's an interesting juxtaposition. And it, I think it's a way that ma- – it's a way to make him and his lack of an emotional palate more interesting. I'll pose this question to you then. Is by making him that – rock of predictability where the series sort of epitomizes the hero like and and the values of what we should be seeing in a hero if we're taking hero in sort of the classical sense of not necessarily a good guy but an extraordinary person capable of extraordinary things um yeah i think there's an argument to be made for that um you know, I, I guess he is kind of the second great epic hero in a row we've talked about because, um, like like Samurai Jack, he is, <laughs> which is still on and it's still great. Go watch it. Golgo is the epitome of the the master assassin. He he is the 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 exemplar of what he is supposed to be, uh, and and so I think that's a good point. And I'll also say something about the repetitiveness of the show. Uh, this is all done in one style, and, I'm, and it's obviously an homage to the original manga. I've never seen it, but it has a very early sort of 60s, late 70s style mm-hmm. to the drawing. Very thick lines, very broad shoulders, thick builds. Uh, the women are not these petite, dainty things. They're actually real women, or real-looking women. But uh, due to the repetitiveness of the situations presented in this show, I would have really loved, or I would really love, for another take on Gogo 13 to be done like Space Dandy style. <laughs> have, have different animators come in and do the actual animation. Same storyboards, Different animation styles. Masaki Yuasa's Golgo 13. I would kill for that. I would hire Golgo 13 to kill for that. <laughs> you know, that's if I another could dig thing. up $3 million. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you mention the style of the show, <laughs> that's another thing is that the um, the world of Golgo 13, there is no, there are no blue jeans. No one wears blue jeans. Everybody, All the dudes are in suits. Are they are they're, they're dressed really nice and like all the ladies are like really statuesque, um, and I don't know that we've mentioned it yet, but Golgo Thirteen doesn't take place in Japan. It it, it does, you never go to Japan, you never see Japan. At least in the first thirteen episodes. At least in the first thirteen episodes, Golgo Thirteen is he's he's going all around the world taking taking these missions and these these assassination contracts. Um, but he's mostly in the United States for the first 13 episodes. Um, you know, there's places like he's in he's in Boston at one point. He's in Baltimore. Uh, he's in New York uh, a fair bit. Uh, then he's in London for uh, a stint there. He's in Hong Kong for something. Um, and then Which, he's in when you think about it, it, makes no sense because 
where do you stick out the least as an assassin? <laughs> That's as right. shown by the black, white, yellow filter. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's that's the one in the football episode, right? Yeah. Okay, the football. So, so hang on. Before we talk about that, let's let's because because we're gonna talk about that. Holy crap, we're gonna talk about it. Like, what what favorite episode ink for you for these first thirteen? Uh, well, yeah, the 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 last one with the photographer. Oh, the very last one with the photographer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just. I, I love the fact that they they combine and they don't make there there's that you know typical line of oh we're the same person but it's not actually delivered like that it's it's just one person being sort of grilled on why he's the only one capable of taking the shot of this famed assassin you know as he fires and it's like well you know we're we're basically the same we just use different tools and you know I'm waiting for the shot he's waiting for the shot and we have to plan everything out and. Yeah, I, I really liked how well thought and under narrated that episode was. Yeah, uh, and I, I like the parallelism between the 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 protagonist and the antagonist, and I like I like cat and mouse of it actually too, because Gogo doesn't shoot the the photographer, he just shoots his camera and takes like his ability out. Yeah, showing that you know he's not entirely cold hearted. He's just uh, what do you call it? Calculating. It is kind of implied at the end of that episode that that maybe may, maybe he shoots him like like right at the end, but I like that he didn't do it in the episode. Like that was like really cool. I think my favorite episode was the one with the football. Oh yeah, <laughs> football stuff, which brings in the glorious color filter. Which ink, without further ado, I know you've been dying to talk about that. Please explain to the audience what devilry they put in this episode. It's not just in this episode, too, because like all all the while, Gogol Thirteen is like 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 you mentioned is in America a great deal, and a large bit of commentary from all the people that either hire him or are dealing with people who hired him comment how he's this Asian who is like really big and just the perfect shot and all that, but. In the football episode specifically, Gogol's in a crowd in a, at a football game, and they need to, uh, a specific shot by linking all the cameras that have uploaded stuff on the internet, and they're they're narrowing down all the footage and trying to get specific angles to actually narrow him down to this place where they know the shot was fired, so they can, you know, charge him and you know arrest him. And it's of course impossible to do because there's so many people around. So what they do is they decide, oh well. We know he's Asian, so we can just filter the video feed. Look, I've got this convenient filter. It filters by black people, white people, and yellow people. Science. Oh, my God. It was so racist. Uh, it was the most racist thing I've seen in forever. And it was it was like life, like laugh out loud, oh, my God, I can't actually be seeing this with my eyeballs. Sad funny. And this is amidst all the horrible, like, over dramatic, uh, over dramatic uh, dialogue that you know punctuates the series. Oh yes. uh, it's in the dub, but you know, like what an incredibly fighting force of nature he is. Uh, <laughs> uh, dying lines being you know so just ah oh, saturated with over dramaticism. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, did, you, did you watch the whole? Did you watch this whole for this? I guess this was your rewatch of the show. Of the show, Inc. 
I, I've seen the first three episodes, I think, before. Okay. Uh, at, 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 like, an anime convention or something like that. But uh, I, I remembered watching the, the sub, and I decided, after someone commented on Twitter, um, and I was like, oh, you know what? I don't think I've ever seen the dub. Okay. So I switched over to the dub after the first couple or three episodes. I watched all of it subtitled except for <clears> the 13th episode, which I watched dubbed. And holy hell, that was amazing. The the football episode, which is the 11th episode? 11th or 12th, yeah. Because I think it goes football episode, rival kid sniper episode, and then photographer episode. I think that's how it finishes. But <clears throat> I just watched it this morning, so I should know. Or I should remember. The, uh, the, the football episode is definitely my favorite because it's sort of like Golgo versus CSI Baltimore <laughs> versus... <laughs> This old gumshoe detective guy who has a dog named Sonny who is like a little, little cocker spaniel looking kind of dog. And together they solve crimes and I want that man's anime like right now. I, I, I want that. I want that anime. You know, I have to you know, I have to root for like the detective who's him and his like lap dog go and solve mysteries like that's that's obviously like that's what, who I want to be when I grow up is that guy. It was it was funny because you know a lot of times you'll have Golgo caught between opposing forces you know in the in in him just carrying out his contracts, but this time it was like Golgo versus the the more technocratic cops versus the traditionalist cops, and you feel like if they if they had just gotten it together and like worked together they may have been able to to have at least a snowball's chance of, of finding a way to to uh, indict him, but... I don't know. I disagree with you there. I'd well, I mean, that. it wouldn't happen because Golgo is, you know, Golgo, but... I see. I'd like to just think of it as a statement as, nothing can touch this man. Not the technical, not the old-school gumshoe. He is above it all. Yeah. I think you have to get in the realm of the supernatural before Golgo has any, like, slight problems. Are you kidding? Golgo would shoot a ghost... He would probably just look at the ghost, and the ghost would exercise itself. I like that episode because of the internal conflict on the the quote-unquote good guy side. Because Golgo straight up just kills a star quarterback in the middle of a game like this episode. He's just like, well, all right, you're done. And and, and the guy makes a touch. He runs the, the ball into the end zone. He's shot like as he hits the end zone and is dead, and then it kicks off the whole investigation. But... What better death for a quarterback, though? Yeah. That horrible ethnic filter technology aside, I really liked that episode. Speaking of, like, episodes, when you talk about Gogo 13, because this is a classic anime, and it's weird because it's 2008, but it's classic, and I guess it's more more that the character itself is classic, but, you know, the the original movie, the, the 1985 movie the original or the professional is what gets all the limelight but i really feel like gogo 13 is probably one of the great episodics and it's never mentioned for being such it's it's not i don't think really something to marathon it's it's not like mashishi where you sit back and feel or kino's journey where you sit back and think but it's really enjoyable in one shot installments and that that kind of explains the popularity of the movie because it is this isolated thing. It's just one extended plot with a lot of weird shit going on. Uh, it's just fun to enjoy, and then you leave. Yeah, and just if if you sit down in a marathon, 
just repeating all that cool is exhaustive. I don't know if you had the same same take on it, but I waited until the last minute, so I, I just marathoned this in like two sittings. And No, I completely agree with you. Um, this is not the kind of thing I would want to watch in great big chunks. You know, I, for the most part, I started, because it was only 13 eps, I started watching it like mid, like midweek. I watched two or three episodes a night, and I finished it off this morning. And uh, knowing what I know about it now, if if I had known more about the the feel of it, I would have probably have done an episode a day for like two weeks instead. And I feel like it would have been better uh, of an experience because I started to feel exactly like you did, Inc. Uh, it felt like even though the, the the episodes are different, and even and it's not like Law and Order in in like in terms of being so formulaic, like. It kind of if you if you marathon it, it starts to kind of feel that way, and I don't feel like that's fair to the show really. Mm. You know, that's like almost like me getting in the way of my own ability to interpret it and analyze it. I think, uh, but you know, now I know, uh, and it'll. I'll definitely watch more in the future, and now I'll know how to do it. And there is like if you if you go to write stuff, there is complete or there are complete collections available on dvd and blu-ray and they have gone on sale for decently cheap prices and yeah it's it's 50 episodes it's worth having if nothing else just for the chuckle for the uh for the dub <laughs> yeah yeah buddy man Woo. it's a it's a nice catalog title and you know to your earlier point you know golgo is one of the great pieces of manga and anime pop culture in japan you do see golgo like like, I, I was seeing this guy 10, 12 years ago, and I was like, who the hell is this dude with the coffee in his hand advertising this coffee? He's a, like, what anime is he from? But, like, you know, you just kind of, you just see him so much in the pop culture. It's good to kind of get a taste of that and see what, what's going on with it. But, you know, this is basically, uh, this is basically their Japanese uh, James Bond. It's not an ex- it's not an exact comparison, but it's a it's a fairly it's a fairly apt one. It's basically uh, Golgo Thirteen is like if you took Archer and you made Archer super freaking serious. <laughs> this is what which Archer takes away would be. all the fun of Archer, but it still remains fun in Golgo Thirteen. Yes. <laughs> which which watching this and Archer together must be like the peanut butter and jelly sandwich combination of spy and intrigue stuff <laughs> i might just start i might just do that <laughs> that's, that's like a great idea that sounds like you could take neither one of them seriously after watching one after the other oh my god yeah like like golgo well golgo 13 don't take golgo 13 seriously like if you if you take golgo 13 seriously like there, there might be some of you out there who will do that and will enjoy that and by all means do that but for the rest of the world if you take a step back and look at it almost satirically in a way, it's pretty funny. It's almost impossible not to. Almost. Like, I, I will not begrudge the people who will throw themselves into, oh, yeah, that's the perfect explanation behind that shot. But <laughs> no, like, the no, the circumstances are too great and the shot is just too impossible. This is pure drama. And it's, it's, almost, it's almost like a sports anime formula. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, it's just a single single player team. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the the odds are always forever narrowing and like you're always wondering, oh, how they're gonna pull pull through this time and you know. 
Yeah, and and the enjoyment is watching like here's the ridiculous thing Golgo has to do this episode. Now let's watch him figure out how to do it. Or let's not watch him figure out how to do it because he already knows how to do it for the most part. There are occasionally times where he has to do some research, like with the violin. He had to actually like listen to music and listen to the music. <laughs> yeah, he had to he had to deign to indulge in such like weak human things as art, but he he did. <laughs> And then he just he like found exactly the like he had a recording of this violinist playing, and then he found exactly the point where he should hit, like exactly what note when the the guy was pulling the bow just a certain way. He would play that over and over and over and over again. And thank God, like the episode didn't like keep us in real time with Golgo like watching that because he probably spent six and a half hours just watching that, mm. you know, and then went and worked out for the other, you know rest of the 24 hours in that day but um, and you know you asked me my favorite episode but my favorite moment actual favorite moment was that moment just go go listening to the 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 musical piece over and over and over again because there's absolutely no dialogue to it yeah and it's just him reviewing and visualizing what he's hearing over and over and over again i'm just like that's that's good that's just really good visualization there I think I like the ending of that episode the best, even though I like the football episode in general more because that violinist at the end, you mm. know, like, like just got on with life. <laughs> it was like, yeah, <laughs> screw you, evil violinist, man. <laughs> How about some Twitter questions? You ready for some Twitter questions? I think that would be good. So who do we have Twitter questions from? We have several, and thank you guys so much for for sending these in. The first one we have is from our uh, dear friend and uh, soon to be guest on the show, uh, Corey, who's at Impassionate K on Twitter of Taiku Podcast. He asks, "How bad is the movie CG? Wait, are you talking about the movie? You should talk about the movie." In sequence, please answer. <laughs> yeah, so in sequence, how bad is the movie CG? Uh, CG, I have no idea. Uh, wait, have I, you never seen The Professional? I have not. Oh, I haven't seen must. any. I haven't seen any Golgo until I saw this. Oh, you must see The Professional. It's it's a piece of art, a very bad art. Oh, okay, <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Um. <laughs> So how bad is the movie CG? I have no idea. Wait, are you talking? Well, that that movie wouldn't have CG in it, right? That's like the original original. Mm -hmm. He's talking and about it. And it does. One. Oh my god, really? Wait, are there, you talking about the movie? There's no an infamous helicopter scene. Oh, um, <laughs> maybe that's YouTubeable. I don't know. If it is, maybe we can f find a way to stick a link in the show notes or something. But you should talk about the movie. Well, we just did, Corey. So um, congratulations. Next how bad is the CG? Uh, wait, wait, I got to put in. Oh. Uh, how bad is the movie CG? Having seen the movie at least multiple times, at least multiple times, that makes sense. At least uh, multiple times. Yeah, uh, the CG in that movie is not as bad as people say compared to the first instance of CG in anime, which people always attribute the first instance, the first instance of CG to the professional. And that is incorrect, based on, I think, a panel I've seen from Evan Minto of uh, Anagamers fame. Oh, that guy. Uh, yeah, that guy. Uh, I can't remember what the first instance was, but this was the second, and I believe it is infinitely better. I can't quite remember, but 
still, that bad CG is what brings everyone to Gogo. So how bad could that CG be? I, I would agree we should talk about the movie, except we're really just sort of digging into why digging into this episodic anime and why it's worth coming to this instead of the movie. And I think we already addressed that actually during the podcast. So yeah, yeah, we did. Thank you for your question. Yeah, it was a good question. And, uh, look forward to, uh, Corey and Chris, uh, coming, coming next month, but more on that in a bit. Um, so from Vinny and James, uh, Vinny, uh, is at Vinny Av AGC of all geeks considered. And James is of, at Battlehork and is awesome. Uh, and they asked, did you watch the dub? Did you enjoy the dub? It's at points unintentionally hilarious. I watched almost all of the dub for the first 13 episodes. And uh, yeah, it, it is the way to watch the show. I, I, I watched the first few episodes uh, subbed and it was still pretty funny without how serious it took itself. But the dub just adds this layer of melodrama that is that just makes watching the show enjoyable on a whole new level. Yeah, I, I agree from the, the one episode that I watched that was dubbed. It was amazing um, how it adds just a whole entire other layer of humor to the show. I enjoyed watching the sub, and I certainly think Golgo sub, you know, he doesn't sound like Batman. He just sounds like manliest Japanese man-man who ever manned in the history of men. Like, he's, like, he, apparently, that that is the guy who voices Golgo, because he gets, like, his own, like, in the opening credits, he gets his own name, just him, <laughs> next to Golgo's face, which is that face we all know and love. So, like, I, I that's unusual. Uh, I don't remember seeing that very often in many anime, so that must be, like, a thing. But anyway, the dub is pretty funny. I will ask, having, having listened to the dub, for only the final episode, are you now going to go back and rewatch the first 13 with the dub? I may. You know, I may. It, it might be like something I have on while I'm doing something else, but I think this is a fantastic show for that kind of thing, especially if you have it dubbed. Because you, like, really, like, it's fun to just dig in and watch it and just see kind of the cat and mouse stuff going on, but this is definitely a show you can kind of just watch with something else going on and and still get a lot out of it. And I, I think for rewatching that stuff with the dub, that, that might, in fact, be what I do. Because mm. that will make me laugh out loud. I am sure of it. Oh, multiple times. So next up, we've got uh, a question from Doug, who is at BuddyCopDoug on Twitter. Uh, wouldn't a doll the hotel detective spinoff rule? What a great question. Have you looked into that at all? I, I don't know if there's actually been a spinoff uh, with Doll the Hotel Detective, but I have read some of the Doll the Hotel Detective manga. and really? um Yeah, it's on uh, Crunchyroll Manga, actually. Um, you, you, well, you can't access it anymore. I'm not sure if they've taken it off. Um, you get it, just get an error page nowadays. Oh, bummer. Yeah, at least last time I tried. Oh, God. Um, that's disappointing. Uh, Doll the Hotel Detective, what I have read of it, it seems like it could even be in the same universe as far as I know. Because she's very much the same. She She's in a lot of ways like a female Golgo, you know? Like like almost almost like completely, you know, just the different gender, but, but otherwise a different job, you know? But she's she's very much that sort of, you know, master detective who's a femme fatale as well, so... Um, I, w I want to see I, I ex 
express expressly expressly I want to expressly see a um, episode where Dahl has to fend off Gogo from a a person who's staying at the hotel. That would be that would be phenomenal. Probably like a four-parter movie, whatever. It would be great. I, I in short. Wouldn't wouldn't it rule? Yes, yes, it would rule greatly. Uh, next up, the uh, awesome cast's very own uh, Basil at its Basil time has asked us a raft of questions, and thank you, Basil. I'm going to pronounce it Basil. Yeah, More okay. specifically, I'm going to pronounce it Basil. <laughs> Shine on, you crazy diamond. Thank you. <laughs> so his first question, if I can contain myself is what is the craziest shot taken you go i'm going to formulate my response my i think my pick and there's so many but i think my pick is probably i mean the violin string is just ridiculous but we've talked about that a lot um i that might be the real craziest shot taken but i think if, if i'm to pick another one we haven't talked about so much uh it's the episode with the mob boss who He's taking over a rival mob boss's territory, and the rival mob boss is being beaten and tortured and is about to die. But he mentions, "Oh yeah, I hired Golgo 13 to kill you." <laughs> and so then the mob, the, the 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 main bad guy mob boss freaks out and he he starts armoring up everything and he he puts this super tough bulletproof glass uh, uh, all around his penthouse apartment. Um, and Golgo, to overcome that, he just shoots exactly the same place, you know, just in succession, repeatedly, multiple, multiple, multiple times, until it breaks through, and, and he eventually uh, kill, shoots the guy, like, between the eyes, like he always does, or almost always does, and, and that that's that's pretty ridiculous, like, if you're thinking about how hard of a, of a shot that is to make, having to re- successively hit glass in exactly the same place. Uh, to create a cleavage point that would shatter it is is pretty damned impressive. Hmm. I was thinking the same, so I will I will change my favorite or the my favorite hardest shot to two shots. The first, which is sleep inside the cage, uh, episode number nine, because uh, Gogol's hit is currently imprisoned, and he has to, for some reason, break the guy out of prison in order to shoot him. Well, I guess he doesn't have his gun in there, but he could, you know, kill him otherwise. So the entire episode is just the tension of the two escaping, and, and of course they do, despite all these measures taken uh, or implemented against prisoner escape. And they overcome all those, of course, and they reach the shores, and then Duke just sort of shoots the guy in the in, in the jungle where they land or near the beach where they land, and that's the end of it. And I love the anti anti uh, anti climaticism of it. Like he even got he even like gets the guy like some normal clothes to wear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just dress up before I kill you. Why not? It's like you can uh, imagine Golko going to TJ Maxx before that mission and going, uh, all right, I gotta buy this dude. Here's his measurements. All right, I gotta buy this dude some clothes he can look good while he dies in. Uh, okay, we'll do this again. Where's that slice of life manga? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> Go go thirteen and TJ Maxx. Yes, please. Um, 
but there, there, there's also just you know him leading him along all that way, and that the, the fear behind the hits uh, uh, assumptions, like oh man, you even had that gun here to like fend off the people who might be chasing you. <laughs> wow, you really thought this out. It's like no man, you just didn't think this out. Well, well it totally uh, telegraphs that he that Gol goes there to kill that prison warden too, and he does, but that's oh, yeah. only just because he just doesn't like the guy. <laughs> He, he probably says more words in that episode than he does to to like in in any of the other episodes we watched, and specifically they're all to that guy. I don't know him I th- for being you know a, a shrimp basically. I think the one where he's in the hospital, he says a lot of words. Oh yeah, he does say a lot of words too. But uh, aside from that, you know, yeah, definitely. But actually, the hardest shot I, I would say is the one he takes from the football stadium rafters, or. The seats in the uh, the football stadium, because he can't actually use a gun, so he's using what what they think is a camera. Wait, was that actually? No, it? it's like a camera. They they think it's a it's a camera with a big telegraph tele telegraphic lens, and they think that the gun is actually hidden in the camera, which um, it almost assuredly was. But that's not actually the yeah. But I, I think that's the hardest shot he ever had to take because you know there was no real way to mask the gunshot right aside and, from crowd noise and but you're trying that, to hit a target who's moving erratically mm-hmm. you know and like, you can't predict a game's movements right so I, I would say that is the hardest shot just for that the, the combination of circumstances surrounding it so the next question is and, and we were inevitably going to get a question like this one just how magnificent is his well you know I would say it's not that magnificent because you never see it because this is not hentai. <laughs> all, all, all the sex scenes are to the series credit, very tastefully done. Yeah. Except for maybe the 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 paparazzi episodes where the guys just you know squeezing the fuck out of a uh, left boob. Um, yeah. But otherwise, you know, it's it's sort of a dark color palette. Everything's shaded and shot at specific angles where nothing's really. Exposed. And, and all of these women sound like, at least if in, <clears throat> in the Japanese sub version, they all sound like they're having like one of their limbs amputated. I swear to you. <laughs> okay, so how does this? I like this question a lot. How does Golgo Thirteen best represent the ultimate salaryman form? I think that goes back a bit to what we were talking about earlier with the the male ideal ideas and things like that. Well, I mean, the salary man form is just a wake up, go to work, go home sort of thing and live for your job. And, and that's him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is the as, – as simple as it is to ask, it's simple to say. He literally is just the embodiment of his work. He has no life outside of it. Yeah, like the only hobby we can discern that he has is is sleeping with people because that – doesn't seem expressly tied to his jobs. Oh, well, not expressly, but it is actually a part of it because it's sort of releasing that emotional steam. I'm not saying he's shooting steam out of his <laughs> oh, magnificent yeah. piece or anything, but oh. I've, <laughs> it's, it's, he just had to take it there. Didn't of you? course I did. Oh, uh, oh man. But it, it's it's just you know that sort of release and that calming effect that it has, it, it it's necessary to fo- for focus. Like he's releasing all all, all of the, the hormones and just getting sort of down to business, 
It's like, okay, I'm done with you. That's and that's a large part why he, or he hires, um, you know, uh, women of the night. Um, assuming he it, is not just an android. <laughs> assuming he's not an android, but it's just business, and he's just using it for a me uh, as a means to an end. Like he just wants to be concentrated, and you know, with build up testosterone and all that. Like, mm-hmm. sure, he fucks, he gets that out of his system, and now he can concentrate. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Uh, the next question is, uh, and, and we've got a link. We got a link that uh, Anatomy of Golgo Thirteen in the show notes. We've got to. Um, next question is, what political scandal of today do you think would be best served up as a modern Golgo Thirteen story? We are spoiled for choice right now <laughs> with all these like different international intrigues and everything going on. Um, you know, the the world today is probably. In a in a period of instability from a global geopolitical perspective that we haven't seen since the worst parts of the Cold War, maybe, um, and it's a little bit more destabilizing than that because you've got a multipolar balance of power now instead of like the two, the East and the West, and you know the Soviet Union, and the United States, like you had back then. You know, I think you could look at a lot of the different political crises going on today and write a Golgo 13 story about them. And that's not me making a judgment one way or another about the any politics going on in any – Lord knows I can do that, but I won't do it here. But I think you really can – you have some excellent fodder right now, and, and there's going to be some damn good spy novels coming out of people uh, from this particular time period. You can count on that. So I think, I think this – you know, that's maybe not an exact answer to your question, Basil, but I think it's a pretty just damn fine period to be writing anything where you'd need a, a master sniper or a master spy or anything like that to as a character. Right now is an excellent backdrop for that. So are you equating uh, Golgo 13 to all of ISIL? <laughs> I see what you did there. It's 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 certainly applicable. I mean, they uh, no one sees them coming. They execute, and all we can do is deal with the aftermath. Um, I would actually say, Gogo Thirteen would be fantastic for use in the assassination of uh, King Jong Nam, or Kim Jong Nam. Uh, that that's the for those who don't know, uh, he was the half brother of King Jong Un, who's the uh, ruler of North Korea. Uh, who was assassinated, or his half brother was half assassinated uh, a month ago? Yeah, it was about a month ago with uh, a neurotoxin, like a yeah. like a yeah. gas kind of agent, like in a like in a cloth, which that's frightening. Like uh, nerve gas uh, aside, like obviously Google would shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> but you could you could see to your point, you could see a scenario where Golgo could 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 do that job totally because uh nam was uh anti-north korean uh aggression uh and politics uh and that's why he was you know sort of banished but that that's why he was estranged from uh jong-un and i could see a point where jong-un just went i don't want this family's name besmirched so just get rid of that that half-brother of mine and Gogo answering the call. Yeah, and and to the tying it back to the show, just in the thirteen episodes we've seen, there is at least one where the premise for the reason for assassinating somebody 
is to for one group to consolidate political power at the expense of another group. So that's that's a very applicable situation and scenario to the world of Golgo 13. That's a great example, Link. So the last question from Awesome Cast Basil. Basil! It's, uh, as uh, Gerald AWO, or Gerald Rathcold, is my waifu, how could they? How would they get along when going out for ice cream? They being Gerald and Coco Thirteen. I think that's probably the spinoff that we're all looking for. To go back to Doug's question, I think I think that would be an extremely powerful duel between two very powerful men. So so I would I would wonder uh, how that would go. I kind of uh, I'm not sure what Gerald's favorite ice cream is. I'm kind of thinking. Golgo is pretty much a plain vanilla guy. I think he'd I think he'd keep it simple. I'd be very interested to see the the matchup and the toppings and, and, and who could eat the ice cream faster. That that would be a, a truly powerful battle for the ages. To start, I'd say Golgo thirteen's favorite ice cream dish in the world is a banana split with the most sparkly toppings imaginable, <laughs> but he still eats it with the same deadpan face. <laughs> that would be... Damn it, somebody needs to come up with that slice of ice mango. <laughs> we could write uh, it if somebody would just draw it and we could not get sued. Like we could Seriously. Uh, second, I'd say having eaten with Gerald at uh, a tiramisu restaurant down in... Um, Baltimore, where Otakon used to be, I will say they would get along fabulously. Because as I remember, he was fairly silent and just sort of enjoying his ice cream while eating it. And I could just imagine the two silent figures eating ice cream across from each other, not saying a damn thing, and everything being telepathically communicated. (laughs) The bards would sing of their encounter for generations to come, no doubt. Oh, for all the possibilities in silence? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, Inc., I think we have come to the end of our journey uh, chronicling Golgo 13. Why don't you tell everybody uh, where they can find you on the Internet and beyond? On the internet, you can find me at Animated Inc. on Twitter. You can find me on Anagamers, where I... Well, actually, by the time this comes out, we will be very shortly away from posting our three-episode tests, where we uh, you know, go by reviewer and showcase our likes and dislikes of the currently airing season. You can find me on the fandom post where I just wrote up a little while ago uh, the a review of your Shinkai, uh, Makoto Shinkai's Your Name, uh, the subversion. Uh, you can find me also in the pages of Otaku USA Magazine, otakuusamagazine.com. Subscribe, and then you can hold anime reviews in your hand and collect them like I know you otaku do. And I think that's about it. How about you, Jared? You can find me at... Andy Gamers doing three episode tests most days, most times, and you can find me at Wave Motion Cannon doing uh, all sorts of writing over there most days, most times. But I'm actually taking the spring season off. So what? I know, I know. So I'm looking forward to three episode tests so I know what to watch, uh, <laughs> and also to know like just how 
wrong slash right we were on our uh, spring episode, uh, the our, our B side that we did for uh, the end of winter, start of spring season, that just came out in like the last week or so. Um, listeners, if you haven't uh, downloaded that yet, definitely go check it out. At Old Takuno Radio on Twitter, um, you will find me always there uh, with ink. Um, and of course, you know I'm taking spring season off from from writing, but we're we're definitely uh, keeping the uh, the old show going here. So looking forward to doing that. Um, and also, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Save versus Jared. Uh, you'll know me when you see me. I've got uh, all my uh, Golgo uh, fandom on display there uh, for at least the the next month or so. Leave us comments on the show post page. Uh, go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music Play thing uh, to listen to us and leave reviews there as well, if you can. Uh, we love it. Uh, we love hearing, you know, a lot of people actually subscribe to the show, and we don't hear anything from any of you, so we'd love to hear from you. Send us emails at oldtakunoradio at antigamers.com. We'd love to hear from you there as well. And I think that's pretty much it for myself, for Inc. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. Hashtag audio production. You can just repeat it and edit it. Back. Well, that 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 presumes I, I remember what I was saying. <laughs> Hashtag audio production. This oh oh, I mean, like, fuck! I just think I put myself in the bumper. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs>